0: Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. You, why don't you just speak out straight instead of putting it up on chat? Uh, yeah, okay, fine. Uh, now, uh, what's interesting is we've talked about the kind of movement that we've had in uh, the uh, in the secular part of what we call uh, England, right? And what is interesting and what is important, right, is that there is a huge other world which we are talking about, which of course is important, because uh, we are talking about the idea of uh, something that doesn't change, right? So we're having a lot of social changes take, taking place, right? And we can't really say that that doesn't change. The Trevilian is saying that this is one of the things that doesn't change, right? So that's something that you might like to think about, yeah? That we are talking about a world that is not changing, yeah? And uh, this world that is slow to change the reasons... Uh, why this the the world is changing and this is not changing is because you have the people involved in this other world which exists, right? Who are very comfortable, right? So when we're talking about the feudal system changing into the capitalist system, uh, that is a world which changes because of material considerations, because of considerations of survival, because of considerations about a job. All those kind of issues are very important there, right? But now we are going to the world of the church and it's that the church was already up. We had all these issues in the time of Thomas Becket, but uh, uh, according to Trevelyan, and that's very important observation, right? From the time of uh, Thomas Becket, right? To the time of uh, Trocer, you have more people who are educated in many more ways, right? So the idea of the church not being held up to scrutiny is something that doesn't happen, right? They hold up the church to scrutiny, right? And there is also something else that is important, that the church doesn't close the doors to the poor people, right? So poor people can also join any of the religious institutions and rise up in the idea of being a member of the church, etc. Right? Yeah. So uh, that's something that is important, right? You have already uh, Oxford being a very strong kind of an institution, right? Uh, of course, we know the story which Trivillian doesn't mention. When you can go check it up, right? When Sorbonne University refuses to let uh, the English come in, right? Oxford College becomes Oxford University, right? So that's the rough of it, right? But slowly you have a lot of people from different walks of life, especially kings and queens, donating towards the foundation of colleges in Oxford, right? Uh, if you go to Oxford, I haven't been to great Cambridge, but if you go to Oxford, uh, you have a number of colleges all around the place, right? And they're chock a block, right? You might just see them, and uh, you—it's very—it's uh, not very easy to distinguish them from outside. So uh, that's something that happens, but also there's something that is in the church. The church provides a kind of education to all the people who are clergymen right and by and large there is what you call uh, a kind of an education which is more of a clerical kind of education and it's more of a kind of education to look after accounts to look after the running of administration right so that's the kind of uh, 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 training that the church gives to the the clergy at one level, at the other level they learn languages, right? And they have something called the friary. They have something called so you have a lot of orders which at this point of time perhaps they are aren't so important though. Trivillian is saying that they are right, but the organization of them actually takes place in the 16th and the 17th century much after this age, right? Uh, That's what I know from another reading that I've had into the history of the church, right? But what is interesting, you have the monks, you have the friars, you have the secular clergy, right? The secular clergy are people who are allowed uh, to have property, right? Otherwise, the friars and the monks Normally, don't have any property, right? The property is owned by the uh, the organization they belong to, right? So you have the Franciscans, you have the Dominicans, you have the Augustinians, you have also the uh, different kinds of orders, which are religious orders, right? And of course, civilians' complaint is that they're forced to be celibate. Yeah, the word celibate means that they're not supposed to have sex, right? Or they're not supposed to marry and have sex and all that kind of thing and there is of course been a lot of issues about that because uh, it's not that people join the religious order only for uh, religion or any the sort but there are a lot of people who join because of also financial problems, right? So that's something else that we need to think about, right? Which is something that keeps happening all the time. And like everywhere else, the, the, the church becomes very rich over a period of time because people donate a lot of money to the church, right? And uh, you also have, at, some, at least at this point of time, uh, some of the, the, uh, the clergy having their own armies, right? Yeah, we talked about the little armies that the, the merchant class has and they loan out their armies to the king. I hope you remember that. We did that in the last lecture, the, la- the lecture before that. But over here you also have the idea of people and the priest having armies. Some of them, not all of them, right? Yeah, and uh, so these are some of the things that happen in the church. Uh, also what is important is the friars and the, the monks uh, take their duty very seriously right and actually go about spreading the religion. Uh, it was already a Christian but they take their duty seriously and they get religion to the people right so that's something uh, that Trevilian says is very important right? Because they give them a lot of stories about saints, about the Bible, right? And about a lot of stuff, which is something that becomes important later when you have the idea of the Puritan coming up, right? Because this is a lot of rhetoric, yeah? And there are two parts of the church according to Trevelyan, right? One is the idea of the rhetoric the idea of the sermons, the idea of uh, uh, the indoctrination by all that religious uh, kind of uh, rhetoric, yeah? And the other is something that is uh, what is called the rituals, right? I don't think Tripillion uses that word, uh, but uh, the the rituals, that is the religious rituals, right, which uh, was highly elaborate Right? And uh, I don't know why Trevelyan doesn't talk about that too much. Right, But that's something that creates a problem for the man who we know about as uh, Wycliffe, Right, And Wycliffe raises a very important kind of a theological uh, opposition to what is going on in the church or what is called the mass. And it's got something to do with belief right because uh, the church or the Roman Catholic Church at that point of time there was no other church in England right uh, they actually believed that the bread and the wine become the real body and blood of Christ right and this is an important concept which we have to remember because it comes back again uh, in English literature and is called the word for it is transubstantiation right so trans. Substantiation: One subject becomes, uh, uh, one substance becomes another substance, right? So that is, uh, and there is uh, of course a lot of church material and a lot of arguments for it and as people like Whitecliffe have it uh, uh, against it and then that's why Whitecliffe is tried as a heretic, right? Or is thought to be a heretic. Yeah, so I think there are some words that are important. One is the idea of a heresy, which is going against the belief of the church, right? So that's something that you will come up with when you uh, read uh, Milton, when you read St. John, right? When you read any of these texts which are taking on the church, right? So what is a heretic? A heretic is a person who goes against any article of the faith, right? And of course in St. John, Uh, Shaw shows you that uh, St. John is actually an uneducated woman, right? And how is she a heretic at all? And the whole case falls flat because uh, some or the other, it's a prejudiced kind of a decision and it's actually the male chauvinist world which is getting at St. John, right? Yeah, And of course, St. John is problematic because uh, what happens over there is it's too far away in time to actually know how things operate. Yeah, So please uh, read Shaw's Saint John, right? Because that's actually a play about the medieval world, right? Reconstructed of course by Shaw with modern uh, politics, with modern psychology, with his own idea of Fabianism, right? Uh, and that's the society he belonged to, right? So that's a reconstruction and a question of looking at the trial of St. John and a question of how the Catholic Church had burnt her as a witch, right? So all that is uh, an issue which has to be thought about very seriously, right? But then that's something that happened in Europe, right? And uh, Trevelyan doesn't pay too much attention to that, right? Because uh, you have him still talking about all the kind of good things that happen in the church, right? So one is you have the partner and the summoner, right? Yeah? So the partner sells what the church is doing and that is selling a ticket to heaven or selling a pardon for all the sins that you've committed, right? And this is for money, right? So priests are known to make money, okay, on something that is not tangent right and people give the money and at least this time uh, at this point of time they used to have this kind of indulgence so you could say that your sins are forgiven and sometimes there would be very absurd kind of uh, laws and you begin to wonder what they are up to right if you read uh, Shelley's Chenji right yeah so it's talking about this count Called Kamchenchi, right, and he is uh, the 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 fine for homosexuality. It's not that it's looked at as modern homosexuality in today's terms, right? It's not about personhood, right? But it's looked at as a kind of a deviant sexual act, right? For that, the uh, the fine was one cro- uh, a thousand crowns, right, which is a lot of money, right? And that went to the church, right? Yeah, and you get a reprieve for your sin. Right? Uh, So that's called a sexual alleviation and a lot of things to do with sexuality uh, which of course was not a problem at this point of time it's only in the Victorian age Uh, of course with the church it is a problem but uh, in English society it becomes a huge problem when it comes to the Victorian age because there is a lot of suppression of sexuality Right? So that's a different age and a different time Right? But at this point of time uh, at one level, you have the priory, right? And a lot of women. Uh, this is not trivial. You, this is what you get in Trossa, right? Yeah, a lot of women who are from upper classes get into the, uh, like uh, Madame Eglantine, right? Who you have in the Canterbury Tales, right? So all these people get into the, into the convent, become she become the prioress and then the hierarchy as we said in the church uh yeah so you have a hierarchy of nuns and some of the very educated or upper class women right become uh, very important people in the in the church also right yeah so uh, and of course they are high culture people as uh, chaucer describes the prioress in uh, the Canterbury tales right uh, yeah, that's in the pre-logue, right? So uh, we get people like the prioress, we get the monks, right? And the monks don't have to worry about uh, a lot of their uh, future, their bread and butter. The idea of poverty is something that's important, right? And many of them live a very frugal kind of existence, right? They get their basic needs. Right? They get their four meals a day perhaps, right? they have uh, schedules and times, Right, and of course, they do things like calligraphy, they also go and look after the sick, they run the schools, all those kinds of things are done, and uh, that's the good side of it all. Right? And the flip side of it is that uh, you have people who make a lot of money, and they, a lot of these, uh, the, the not the monks but the friars, Right are also educated people and they work and they get money from, uh, they keep accounts for big uh, lords, right, and for uh, people who have uh, sources of income, right, Uh, they also have this idea of going about, uh, the idea of religious dress uh, is perhaps not as important as all that because when you look at Chaucer himself, as Trevelyan mentions and from all the other kinds of uh, pictures of him or painting of him or whatever that is, right? You have Chaucer wearing a robe like everybody else. Okay? So that's the kind of dress that people wore, right? Uh, which is not very different from what you call a priest dress, right? And then slowly what happens is all that changes because riding and uh, going about, riding, etc., is something that uh, is not conducive to that kind of dress, right? So, uh, at one level, the priest also a huntsman. We talked about the hunt. We talked about what happens with hunting, right? We talked about uh, the sources of the food that people have besides uh, the beef and the lamb and the chicken, right? Yeah, you, they also had partridges. They also had uh, other kinds, uh, uh, wild boar, right? Yeah, so they had all these other kinds, and uh, hair, uh, right, as part of their food, right? So, uh, of course, uh, that's something else that happens. But when we talk about the clergy and when we talk about the church, right, there is, at one level, education which comes around through it, right? The people who join the church. Uh, not particularly because of re- religious reasons. Uh, there is a question of going up the ladder, right, for secular purposes, right, or not being able to have enough money to live, right, and that's why they, a lot of people uh, join the church, right. So that's uh, something that Tremilian is talking about, and of course, in the course of time, they become uh, very efficient in doing a lot of things, right. So he's talking about the English Church. Right, he's also talking about the idea of the ritual, right? And the rituals were important at least in Chaucer's day, right? Uh, you have the Latin kind of mass, which is a ritual, and they have it in Latin, like you have the wedding of uh, the wife of Bath, right? In English outside the church, and in Latin inside the church, right? Because uh, you hadn't had Luther, you had all those movements at that point of time, English was still a kind of a subservient language to the Norman French and to the Latin, because Latin was the official language, right, and so that's a kind of uh, a status that the English language had, right. So all those things are important when we talk about Chaucer, and Chaucer's writing his Canterbury Tales, right. And the other poems that he also uh, he, he translates some sonnets into his kind of English at that point of time, right? Yeah, because he does know Italian, and he travels around a lot, right? Uh, yeah. So, uh, so this is briefly what we are talking about when we are talking about the church and how the church operates, right? And uh, whether it's India or whether it's England the question is the church acquires a lot of wealth right and it also is uh, gets a lot of power over the period of time right yeah so that's something else that you might like to think of how money and power are associated not only with the king right but with the university and uh, the church right like for instance uh, There are some historians who believe that the temples and the universities in India were raided because that's where the money was, right? And even today, that's where the money still is in some ways, right? Yeah. So you might find that these are places which are funded, right? And maybe there's public funding or no funding, uh, private funding, right? But these are the places which were funded and had a lot of wealth. Now, what doesn't change is what Trivillian is talking about, right? So, a lot of things uh, don't change because these people are comfortable, right? It's like what happens in India, right? Our Brahminical system doesn't change because the people in power are the people who actually uh, Enjoy themselves, they live their life, right? They are not affected by material and social kinds of uh, oppression, right? So they don't really want any of that to change, right? The people who actually want things to change are the people who are oppressed, right? And that's the way uh, we look at the world today, right? Uh, When we're talking about the black people, we're talking about The marginalized people, women, um, uh, gay and lesbian people or the LBGT kind of movement, right? These are the people who want change because they know that the structures of the world that exist today are not conducive to them, right? So they are the ones who are changing the world and changing society, right? So in Chaucer's day, the church is the most slow to change, right? And in fact, it doesn't change at all. Because if it changes, how does it change the structure? The Pope would not be in any mood to change the structure of anything, because the Pope is in league with the King, right? There is a kind of a universal European uh, uh, what's called control over everything, right? And because there is a lot of money in what happens, a lot of very top posts in In the king's uh, court, right, and in other places, right, are given to uh, people who are recommended by the church, right, and vice versa, right. Uh, We know the story of uh, Thomas Becket, right, who the Canterbury uh, Festival is all about, right. Now, that's, again, important for us to look at because Thomas Becket is a chancellor of the king, right? The chancellor is almost like the prime minister in England, right? And it's not given to anybody else, but it's given to somebody uh, who is clever enough, intelligent enough, educated enough, all those kind of things. And, uh, of course, you have people like Thomas More, who who was the chancellor of England, right? And who's put to death, right? Of course, you have other people who say that he was responsible for the death of other people, right, as chancellor, right? So that's a different story, but what is interesting is that uh, we are talking about monarchies, we are talking about power and how the power works, right? We are talking about the idea of people getting positions in the church and in government offices, right and it was not easy to uh, get that one is the training that was required and the training would happen to the priest right so you have uh, the the of Oxenford and all those kind of things right so that's one of the areas which we're talking about uh, where Chaucer has a kind of a reference for these kind of people right okay so you have the summoner and the summoner would call you up for your sins that you have committed, right? Now, I don't know how it worked, okay? Because uh, do they have the idea of privacy, right? And the idea of the confession, right? is supposed to be private, as far as I know. And I don't know whether uh, it it changed or people manipulated all that. And that's possibly the case, right? Because you go and tell your sins to the priest, or what you think is a sin to the priest, right? And of course, the records say that some of the priests did not hold that uh, sacred enough, right? Some of them did, and they guard somebody's confession as something very sacred, and even to the point of death, they don't give out anything to do with the confession, right? Now that's important, right? Because... They talking about some kind of character development in individuals and in, in, in an institution where you have privacy which is regarded as sacrosanct, right? That is very very sacred and you cannot uh, disclose anything, right? So that's something that perhaps translates later into the secular world, right? But that's an important understanding that you have, right? And of course, I don't know how the summoner works, because the summoner is actually supposed to call up people, right? And the partner would sell the indulgences, right? And the summoner would call people up and say that, well, it's time you do something about your sins, right? Now, uh, that's for a community who actually uh, uh, believes in this idea of sin, right? Yeah, and that's the kind of belief that the English under the Catholic Church had, right? So we are actually preparing the grounds and talking about England uh, from the point of view of what happens in the 15th and the 16th centuries, right? And here we are talking about the 14th century. In about 150 years, there'll be a lot of bloody warfare uh, in England, right? And uh, uh, you'll have A lot of killing, right? A lot of uh, uh, political trials, right? Political uh, intrigue, political killing in the court, right? So that's also something that you have in a little time from now. In little time is about 150 years, right? Yeah, we can see what has happened to India in about 75 years, right? And we can see how things have changed grossly and the quality of the people has changed right i'm sure we have looked at that and we can see what's happening right that this kind of change was not even expected right so when we're talking about a history we are talking about what we don't know and what will happen tomorrow which is something that makes history interesting right and we go back to the past from the ideas of what we have in the present and the recent past, and try to reconstruct that kind of a past with all the evidences which are also written evidences. Right? So, at one level, you're talking about the church and the priest, right? And the priest uh, being celibate, right? That means not having sex. Okay, if they're found having sex, then that's gets into a very serious kind of a crime, and they can be thrown out, etc., right? Uh, Not punished with death as far as I know, but I think they would be thrown out, and of course, you have a lot of people who manage to keep their face with living a double life, right? So they go around as celibate, and they also have affairs with women, etc., right? Yeah? Now, homosexuality, I think, would be a real problem, because I think with homosexuality uh, they would be thrown out of the church, right? Uh, and that's the rule even now, right? If you have a priest who's a homosexual, uh, the Catholic church at least, would not allow it and I don't know whether other churches uh, have a problem with it as a priest. Yeah, they might have no problems about homosexuality among the congregation, right? Yeah, and uh, they but they do have a very, very serious issues about homosexuality in the church, right, and that's why uh, the recent scandal that has rocked the Vatican is that a lot of priests have been homosexual, right, so that's uh, and that's when uh, the last pope resigns if you've been following the news, right okay, so that's one thing else that's going on right, and of course there might have been illegitimate children there might have been uh, yeah, because Uh, this is high life, right, all those kind of things, but they were also very good priests, right? They were very good people who actually kept teaching and dedicating their life. And uh, that's what Trevelyan is telling us and he's saying, and that's what goes into the strength and the character of the people of England because education is important, right? Uh, There's a kind of dedication which comes across from these people, right? Uh, and they go around teaching uh, the, the, the religion to the people who are there, in the villages, in the towns, in the small towns, in all the remotest areas that you can find, right? So that's in praise of them, right? But uh, I've given you the different sides, right? And of course, at the higher levels, uh, of course, there is a lot of corruption. Because of appointments, because of money, right? And of course, it's not everybody who is corrupt, right? Like you can't say the whole of uh, the Indian bureaucracy is corrupt, or all the politicians are corrupt. That's too much of a statement to make, right? So there would be corruption, but everybody is not perhaps corrupt, right? Yeah. So one or two people you'll find who are honest people, right? That's everywhere, even today, right? Uh, We must not whitewash uh, things, right, and make it look as if these are unblemished categories, right, because we are studying history, right, and we are studying human beings, so you have people who are corrupt, you have people who don't, don't keep the law, and you have people who are very honest and actually keep to the law, right, so you get all these people in history all the time, right. And uh, human nature, perhaps, hasn't changed from uh, the time of Socrates or little before that till today, right? So we have, so we still read myths, we still read plays which are more than 2,000 years old, right? Yeah. Whether it's Indian mythology, Indian drama, Western uh, mythology, Western drama, the human being is important, and the human being doesn't change and we're talking about history and we're talking about social history, right? So we're talking about formations, jobs, availability of jobs, how you manipulate the the church position and the secular position, right? And there are no real rules at that point of time for uh, a lot of the church, right? And that's why I think it's much later in the uh, 16th, 17th century uh, that there's a, a, a greater formation, and more rules are made about uh, about the religious organizations, right? Yeah, in fact, uh, in the in the 16th century, right? You have uh, institutions that are formed, which are still there, right? On modernizing the church, right? Uh, you'll read about them in if you read M. A. R. Habib, right? Uh, the critical uh, history of literary uh, criticism, right? Uh, he is talking about a man called Ignatius Loyola, right, who actually reformulates things, right? Anyhow, we'll go back to Chaucer's age, right? And in Chaucer's age, one of the things that Trevilian is talking about is the building of the cathedrals in, and the churches in England, yeah? And that's something Which he attributes to the priest or the clergy. This is something that's important because the structures are still standing. Yeah, the Canterbury Cathedral is standing from before Chaucer's day, from Thomas of Becket's day, right, till the present, right. And I went to see it, and it's it's also very superb to see it, right. Though Henry VIII. Uh, robbed it, right and later after him all the the gold articles of the church have been returned and if you go to the basement you can see them over there, right the important thing that uh, you have over here is that a lot of the priests according to Trevelyan, right a lot of the priests actually have Uh, reports about a chapel being dingy, right? Not enough light, right? So one of the things that they do at this point of time is they actually build churches and the churches have a lot of light, right? And they have something else which is the stained glass windows which come in and they're still there, right? And what's... What's fantastic about the Canterbury Cathedral, besides its age, is that the stained glass hasn't been destroyed, right? Because Henry VIII uh, came and looted the church because they had a lot of gold and he was a king, right? Yeah, but he didn't destroy the church. He didn't destroy the glass, right? So the glass is still there. You can see it, right? Yeah, and that's not only there, but it's in a lot of The churches all over the place, right? In spite of the Germans have a problem, right? Because the Americans bombed off a lot of their churches, right? And that's what uh, our teacher, who was in Germany during the war, uh, the Second World War, uh, kept telling us, right? Yeah. But uh, the idea of the church, the construction of the church, the idea of geometry. The idea of engineering, all these kind, the, and the idea of architecture, and the idea that when you talk about the religious experience, we are also talking about how light, how architecture, how all these elements go into the idea of the religious experience, right? Of course, you will read Philip Larkin's uh, "Church Going," right, which is a critique in the 20th century when Christianity has probably uh, is on the on the way out, right, perhaps, right? And that's where uh, Philip Larkin, who's a movement poet, raises a lot of doubts about the pre-Christian types and the idea of the church and is church going any more important, right? So these are issues that you might like to look at because by and large uh, the church and church history and the idea, of the priest, is something that is uh, for a, It's after actually. It's after, it's not even with Chaucer, but it actually comes up after the 18th century. Uh, of course, the 16th, 17th century. Then, there's a lot of religious turmoil. When you take uh, people like Mary Queen of Scots or uh, Elizabeth, right? All those. There's the whole idea of the battle of the church and the state, right? But English literature uh, is full of uh, what you call references to the Bible because people later can read the Bible, right? Yeah. So one of the best books in the English language is supposed to be the Bible because uh, at the time of James I, and that's the King James Version of the Bible. Uh, it's important to read the Bible and uh, get a, class, a touch of the English language, right? You can check other Bibles in English, right? Modern English languages, American Bibles, okay? And you can see that the language of the KJV is, of course, uh, Elizabethan and uh, Jacobian English, right? So you might like to look at that because... Uh, I remember when I was a student, uh, a friend of mine bought a modern uh, version of the Bible because he was doing uh, his work on DNA, uh, and he has to, he had to go and look at the language and uh, different sources because they are to the references to that, right? You know the the Bronte sisters, their father was a parson of uh, yes, yeah, so it's called the Bronte Parsonage, right? And they used to stay on the church premises, I'm sure you know that story, right? So that's something else that is important. So that, we went to, he went and bought a Bible which was uh, a good news Bible, which was uh, modern English or yeah, or almost American version, right? And then I got a KJV, right? And he looked at both of them and he said, well, one is great, that's KJV, because when it reads, it reads like poetry, right? The other is probably more scientific, because they've taken into account archaeology, they've taken into a, a lot of scholarly things, right? But the KJV has a unique place, right? Because what happens is they've used the best kind of translators that were available and it's the first Bible that actually becomes important in England, right? Of course, we have to study Wycliffe's Bible and the idea of translating the Bible is an English idea, right? And it's Wycliffe's idea the Wycliffe and the Lowlands, right? So we know about that story, and we're going to get into, I think we've got some portions of it to be looked into, right? Uh, Yes, Uh, now uh, what else do we have, right? The other other thing that happens in England at that point of time is that uh, you have the uh, Winchester uh, School, right? Where a lot of learning happens, right? And you have the Inns of Court, yeah, the Lincoln Inn and Gray Inn and all those kind of things, they're called the Inns of Court where lawyers are taught, right? Now that's something else that we are talking about in this time over here, right? And of course, you have a riot in 1355, if I remember the date right, right? Yeah, and uh, we are looking at what happens over there, right? And this kind of a riot is something that uh, is, uh, is we, we've talked about the uprisings that we had, yeah? And of course, this riot is also extremely important, right? Yeah, so uh, the idea is having a riot, calming down the riot, all these kind of things are important over here, right? Yeah, I think it's 13. I remember reading it this morning, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I will find it. Yeah. So, by and large, I have finished the second chapter, right? Uh, yeah. And uh, we're talking about the idea of uh, the Italians coming in, right? Uh, And we're also talking about the plague etc right which keep coming in and you get a lot of italians and a lot of europeans appointed in church positions right and uh, that's because of the pope and because of the pope's relation with the king right whoever was the king kept a good relation with the pope because the the pope is supposed to be god's emissary on earth right so he's the p- person who's going to talk to god and that's the the kind of idea that is there today but of course the Pope doesn't have the kind of power that he had in Chaucer's day. Right? So what is important to look at over here is that we are talking about the church uh, which is of course Trevilian doesn't give you the idea of the corruption that there is. Though the corruption is in this idea of the indulgences, which the partner and the summoner operate in, right, and process treatment of them in the Canterbury Tales is not at all something that we can talk about, okay, it's as if they are exploiters, right, and they are using sin to exploit you, right, yeah, it's almost as if somebody has uh, excess in today's terms, right, somebody has excess what you're doing and chatting around on your phone on your phone okay or your laptop right and it's all out in the public and they come and they make a public announcement and they call you and they say well this is the fault that you have right and that's what's happening today all over the place so it's falsely done right yeah whether you take the uh, the urban natural case of all this Bima Koregao case or the Urban Maxwell case, whatever you want to call it, right? Yeah, that's actually a false kind of case because they don't have proof, they don't have evidence, all those kind of things. But if that kind of thing was true, the sumner would come and say, Well, you committed the sin, right? And uh, you have to pay so much of the money, right? Yeah, and the partner would give you the indulgences, and all those kind of things did happen, right? The Trevilian is talking about the cathedrals being built up, the school system being built up, the universities being built up, right? And all this becomes uh, something that is very much a part of the character of what we call Englishness, right? Yeah, so that's one of the things that slowly gets built up and uh, this takes a long time, right? It doesn't happen overnight, yeah? And uh, they use a lot of very good uh, material to build their churches, right? Uh, And that's because of private funding, right? And uh, the wealth of the church that's already there, right? Uh, Of course, today, uh, when you look at churches, uh, the idea of uh, social justice becomes important, right? Uh, Because can you build a church when people are starving, right? So those are the issues which we're talking about today. Right after after Marx, after all the political movements that we've had in, in the world, right? Yes. Yeah, so, no religious place is okay anymore because the question is, how much money are you going to waste on a religious uh, building? Right? When people don't have place to stay, people don't have food to eat. Right? Yep. So that is something else, but we're talking about a long time ago, right? It's almost a thousand years ago, yeah, it's more than a thousand years ago, right? Yeah, which these things are built up on, right? And uh, so, uh, and that's a totally different age. Yeah, we—it's very difficult to imagine it because we're talking about a time when you didn't even have uh, these kind of big carriages, which. Or coaches, which the English had, right? Yeah, you have people going on horseback. You have some people, many people, perhaps going on donkeyback, right? Uh, you also have uh, the the highway robbers. That's why you have to have uh, a lot of people coming together to go to Canterbury from London, right? Yeah. So all those things are the other side, and that continues right up till the 18th century, right? You. Uh, It's only with Robert Peel right Uh, and the idea of police reforms that that thing that story changes right last time I think we talked about Edward uh, first right getting rid of all the pirates in the in English Channel right and that's how they can navigate and that's how they can keep the prices going right but now we're talking about something else we're talking about education we're talking about skills that people learn, right? And these skills are used for a lot of business purposes, not really religious purposes, right? But uh, the idea of the clerical, the clerical idea becomes an important idea, right? And to be a good clerk is a very important thing, right? Yeah, of course, in India, we uh, are not very happy about the idea of the clerk, right? And we think that the clerk is not really a good kind of profession to have right and that's because of the english colonial mentality right but what is important is when you talk about the clerks right the clerks were very particular people in england right and they had to keep accounts or document a lot of things which they've done quite nicely right Uh, you have deaths of people Which are the records of that which go back to the time of Queen Elizabeth, right? So, the inquest, right? All these things, uh, Shakespeare mentioned some of them in his plays, right? And you find references to a lot of things that happened at that point of time, right? But the idea of being a clerk means you kept a lot of data, you kept a lot of records, right? And that's, uh, it's not like what we're saying today. We don't have records about the migrant workers when it's not even six months that we've seen migrant workers suffering very badly and uh, a huge kind of protest place in uh, parts of Bombay. Right? Yeah? Uh, And people going, walking miles and miles and dying on the road. uh, That's happened all over. Right? And uh, the government says that it doesn't have records which is absolutely shameless. Right? Uh, But what is interesting is when you're talking about the clerks the clerks actually kept records right and they didn't keep records for one person or the other right and that's why the bureaucracy is still trusted, whether it's in india or anywhere else right because the record that you have that's why the rpi works because you can ask demand the, uh, the records right yeah and the entry and the time of entry, all those kind of things are normally written down, and this is what the English, perhaps, get from the Romans, right? To keep on document things, right? And that becomes an important practice. The legal practice is again with the ins of court being set up at about this time, right? Where people go and get a training in law, how to argue, right? The training in rhetoric, the grammar schools, all those things are important, and how do you argue in a court, how do you learn the law, how do you learn Latin, because you use use Latin and Latin expression in the day, right, Uh, if you are going to be a lawyer, right. So, all those things become important and Trivillian is talking about all these kinds of things, right. Now, yeah, so what happens to our social history, right. So, this is a very important part of the social history, right, Uh, because it's talking about an organization which is very secure, right? Which doesn't really care about what's happening outside, right? And of course, there's an important thing which which I must mention, right? So you actually have a division in two kinds of worlds, right? The world of the religious or the world of the clergy and the world of the people, right? And uh, by and large, they separate because the clergy is not supposed to mix with people at this point of time yes they do right yeah but slowly uh, in a in a course of time uh, because of the celibacy because of what you call the cloister that is people are not allowed to uh, come into the monastery right Uh, or the convent right and that's where uh, there is a, a kind of a bar where people cannot come in and there is a certain time limit that you can visit certain people and some places open. Of course now everything has changed and everything has got open, but at that point of time, uh, the idea of the cloister and the idea of the privacy of the cloister and the monastic order, right, is something that is important, right, because when you do your ELT, and some of you might, you might read a man called uh, Tom MacArthur, right, and he's talking about approaches to language and he's talking about something called the marketplace approach and the monastic approach. Right? So, when we're talking about the monastery, yes, there's a lot of learning of language. There's a lot of calligraphy going on. There's a lot of translation of text going on. Right? There's a lot of studying of textual study going on. Right? And this is something that Pruvillian doesn't talk too much about, but that's exactly where Chaucer gets in the clerk of Oxenford, Ford right who's a scholar right and of course the clerk of Oxenford Ford is a poor scholar right and of course something that has not changed from Chaucer till today is a real scholar is very poor right and we must examine ourselves and ask do we have real scholars anymore in the universe right because a scholar is not after money, right? And doesn't acquire wealth. The wealth is in texts. The wealth is in learning, right? And all that kind of thing is a different kind of attitude to what you call uh, studies, right? Yeah? So the whole idea of academics is something that develops and that's what Trivillian talks about. So he doesn't go into depth and talk about it in depth, right? He doesn't talk about it in depth at all, right? But he does mention it, right? Because if we are talking about Oxford and Cambridge maintaining a status, right? Of course, Cambridge becomes important after Isaac Newton, right? Which is a little later than this. But uh, Oxford gets a reputation, especially for its theology and for its language, right? So that's, uh, of course, uh, even today, uh, Cambridge is meant for mathematics and Oxford is meant for the languages. Not that they don't have uh, a fairly high standard of uh, mathematics and uh, pure and natural sciences, yeah? So they also have that, but uh, the reputation of it lays with the idea of Newton and the kind of standard they maintained in mathematics from Newton's day till today, right? So it's not easy to get in to Cambridge for Mathematics, right? Yeah, uh, so you might like to look at all those issues, right? And uh, uh, so the idea of language is important, the idea of language and law is important, okay? The idea of training people as lawyers is important, and the idea of actually doing architecture and building up your churches is something that is important, right? Yeah, so uh, though the British don't look up to engineers and think of engineers as a great thing, it's the French and the Germans who do that, right? The English look down on them, right? Yeah? And uh, uh, so, in India, of course, we look up and we think that engineers are great people and all those kind of things, right? Uh, engineers and doctors, but uh, the English would normally, maybe doctors, yes, lawyers, yes, right? Uh, politicians, yes. So, all that thing is a kind of, uh, uh, what, what would we call it? Uh, a kind of understanding, right, uh, about themselves, and a kind of status that they give different jobs, which change from place to place and time to time, right? Like, for instance, medical reps were at some point of time a kind of a respectable profession, right? Being a train driver in India or in Britain or anywhere was a kind of a respectable profession, right? Yeah, so now. Uh, all those things, uh, and even being a pilot, uh, I don't know what the status is today, right? But maybe 30 years ago when planes were new, right? 40 years ago, 50 years ago, right? Yeah, when planes were still new, being a pilot was a great thing, right? So you might like to think about how values change, how professions get better positions and worse positions, right? How the status of the church gets this kind of pol- political clout, right? And the king and the, the the Pope have a say in which position you are appointed to because you would get or net a lot of collection and profit, etc. right? So that's something else that you might think of, right? So that's uh, as far as the background of Chaucer is concerned. And with that, we've finished the second chapter. So I think we have to go on to the age of Caxton, right? And that's what we'll do maybe tomorrow, right? And uh, maybe we'll take about two or three lectures on that, right? And then we'll go on into the next phase, right? Do you have anything to say? Or do you need any questions? I hope that has not been too much for you because uh, if you want tomorrow, we can have the lecture later, right? You can have it at your wanted it at five or six o'clock, right? So I don't mind. Even now, It's okay. I can have it at six, but I've got two hours of listening to some somebody else talk, which is not easy for me because uh, I am not used to sitting down and listening to lectures, especially on technical and practical matters. Right? So, uh, yeah. So, with that, can we wind up? Yes. Yeah, and I'm, I'm saving. Yeah, I. This is going to be saved. Right? And I think that's it, right so i will uh I think that's going to be saved. Can you summary check on it and see whether it's saved okay right yeah yeah, right, okay, fine, thank you.